0: First of all, amazing, congratulations, great work. Um, as one of the leads of the trauma initiative, um, have seems that we have a lot of things in common and hope to be able to pick both of your brains here before too long, and thank you to the RBC for being our first European trauma center. My question or comment and or then question comment is, I heard about Vet Compass through the American Veterinary Medical Association daily or weekly, blurb that goes out regarding a newspaper article in Australia. Um, So just as far as getting the information out, just a very kind of circular way to first learn about MedCompass. My question is quality control, quality assurance of the data going into the registry. What sort of mechanisms do you have in place for that? So that we know the data that's being spit out is of quality. you going to comment Bradley? Oh, no, you were next. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to do a follow-up. Uh, so basically, we get large volumes of data. The data quality is measured at a number of different levels. The first level is to, is actually whether the data we get in are the same as the data the practices record. Yeah, Because there is always a risk that um, there are errors in the transfer. Um, so we do that by having a parallel system set up. It's a test database. And then we'll, we'll randomly pick sections of data. And visually, manually compare it with the the original. So there's the actual, almost a physical data quality. Um, the actual quality of the data itself. We are um, so we're, within the veterinary practices. A lot of our veterinary practices wouldn't even know they're part of VetCompass, and that's on purpose. Yeah. So we are recording and measuring and reporting just what the vets do. Um, so it is not. We do not try to influence the vets or try to affect how they record their notes or how they diagnose the animals. We just report exactly on what the vets do. So the quality of the data is exactly as the vets enter it. Um, Within the the final studies, every study that's set up has a case definition for every disorder, for every test, for everything we measure. So that is all done objectively. Um, But the actual results that come out at the end are just observational studies fly on the wall and we're just reporting what vets do.
1: Um, great paper Dan. Um, I wanted to ask you about impact. When uh, you're working with a scientific, within a scientific paradigm, impact is, is measured quantitatively in uh, several ways but they basically depend on citations. Uh, marvelously incestuous, you cite my yeah. paper, I'll cite yours. Uh, you've moved outside the scientific paradigm but do you have a way of measuring your impact?
0: We've, it's a really good question. We had a meeting about that last week, actually. Um, so we, we try to measure. Right. So it's, it's that old maxim within practice. I remember when I was doing a practice business certificate, they were saying, you know, um, you're, you're advertising only 50% of it works, but you don't know which 50%. And the same with this. A heck of a lot of the impact we have is almost you set the ball rolling and, and you don't really know where it will end up. So that lady at the back heard about Vet Compass in America via Australia. That wasn't on purpose. You're just setting the ball rolling. We, we do take metrics based on the number of hits on our website. Uh, we do take metrics based on the social media. Yeah. So the, the catalog, and so I get feedback from them. So of all the Facebook posts that have ever gone out from the RSPCA and they send out hundreds, thousands. The cat longevity infograph was their second highest ever liked. They get measures on hits and then they get measures on likes. And I don't do Facebook, but I presume it's a little thumbs up thing. Yeah. So, and um, we've just started, we're re-releasing those uh, infographs via the RBC and we're just starting a program with um, the RBC marketing manager to to, to get objective data and feedback on that as well. So we do try to do it, um, the, obviously with the journals you try to get into the highest impact journals, in theory, the reality is I don't do that. We try to get into the journals that target the audience we're interested in. So that tends to be JSAP and bet Record. Um, even though they're lower impact factor than some of the other specialist journals, we just won't get the reach with the other ones. Um, so we do try to measure it, but it, it is incredibly difficult. What we have found is you get more bang for your buck by working with the groups. So you embed with RSPCA or kennel club, and then you wind them up and let them run. So you end up having, and they're delighted. Um, but you then end up getting a lot of dissemination, but without you actually doing it. You're using their marketing teams. Um, so, so as David said, it's then starting to to work smart rather than just the hamster on the wheel where you are running around doing all the dissemination. Yeah, good question. Then.
1: Okay. Thank you for the for the nice presentation. And I think that compass is exactly what we need, but there is a but. I think we have to be extremely careful how we interpret results. And I think the the comparison between pure breads and mixed breads uh, or breeds is really perfect. Um, so what you tell people is that purebred dogs have no more health issues or problems than mixed breed dogs in, in a certain way. Yeah. So that may may lead to a puck breeder to lay back and say, well, my problem, the, the problem with our breed is not so high. But when you take a closer look prob- probably at your data, I think we... No, we have too few information on the mixed breed population. I would uh, hypothesize that you have in this population a lot of mixed breed dogs from small villages. And in small villages, we have a really big problem of inbreeding because the stock population there has no contact to other dogs. And so I, th- I would hypothesize that both dog populations or both cohorts in your comparison have a problem. And this would have to be pointed out and maybe an even more catchy uh, example might be the data uh, published two years ago by the Banfield Group. They compared their longevity, so longevity seems to be really a fancy um, issue at the moment, the longevity of neutered uh, dogs compared to unneutered dogs. And they found that neutered dogs live two years longer. They are likely to um, to live 11 years compared to nine years for uncastrated dogs. And so if a dog owner reads this, they, they interpret it in a way that it's of course a good idea to, to uh, neuter the dog. But again, it's really likely that the neutered dogs are the ones that live in the family and as soon as there's a, they, they are cuddled every day and as soon as there's a little lump, they go to the vet and so on, they are vaccinated. And the unneutered dogs are stray dogs, kennel dogs, and so on. So, again, we have two cohorts that we cannot, cannot compare. We have to be extremely um, alert regarding our, our conclusions that we draw.
0: Yeah, good point. We, we, in a short answer to that, um, in the longevity study, we did not draw any conclusions on neutering. Not for the reasons you've said, but longevity means you live longer. The longer you live, the more chance you have of being neutered. So it's the longevity that's leading to the neutering as much as it is the neutering might lead to the longevity. Does that make sense? It's reverse causality. So the neutering as a, as a risk factor we've steered clear of for the moment because it is just so complicated. And a, a message that is bad is worse than holding your hands up and saying we have no message. So Banfield may have released that. We wouldn't have released that. Um, for that exact reason.